Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, taking back the baton from Darby, who has been doing a great job the last few weeks handling the podcast solo while I've been busy with North Coast and San Francisco Bay water quality reporting. I'm glad to be back. Um, We're here today with a great episode for you, Chuck full of environmental updates from our Director of Environmental Affairs, Paul Souza. We're so grateful Paul could join us. He brings us a variety of issues. And um, even though the Mr. Sunshine update isn't what we'd all hope to hear, we do have some good news at the end where Paul brings us information about some impending funding opportunities for dairy producers. Our economist Tiffany LaMandola is in Texas at a dairy conference this week, so we have given her the week off. We will look forward to hearing back from Tiffany next week. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the dairy markets, and I'm sure she'll have a nice long update for us before Thanksgiving. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We will jump right in with Paul. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com slash safety. We are grateful to welcome back to this week's podcast, our Director of Environmental Affairs, Paul Souza. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. And Paul, we had this week our um, bi-monthly board meeting on Thursday, November 18th. And part of that board meeting is we give an update on each kind of faction of the dairy industry, what's going on with the economics of things, the environmental regulations. And so today um, we thought it might be a good idea to talk through your report from yesterday's board meeting and all the crazy environmental stuff going on. So if you want to just go ahead and jump in, Paul, and we'll kind of go through um, item by item. Um, what we talked about yesterday. Sure, yeah, I can do that. Uh, Thank you, Melissa. Uh, Yeah, our board heard this yesterday and it's great to be able to get it out to our members and have them kind of see what's going on in the environmental arena. Uh, Certainly there's some challenges out there. I'm gonna start off with the California Air Resources Board and a couple of items there. Uh, First one is trucks. Um, The reporting for the truck and bus rule is coming up in January. Folks need to record their January 1st odometer reading and then report that in the month of January. Um, I reminded the board also that we're doing this for an agricultural extension from the truck and bus rule, and that extension expires at the end of 2022. So dairy producers really need to think about what they're going to do with their truck fleet. Um, Those trucks with the agricultural extension are allowed up to 10,000 miles per year. When that goes away, the only extension that's going to exist is going to be the low use exemption, which is 1,000 miles per year. So that's going to put a lot of trucks uh, out of commission. Uh, There's also the. Oh, sorry, Paul. I was going to say that is for trucks that are um, prior to 2017, right? Actually, uh, 2011, about uh, when there was a new emission standards came on uh, for trucks with 2010 engines. Uh, so those trucks are exempt from this. Yeah, it's not all trucks. It's only the older trucks, older trucks, 2010 or older, uh, that this becomes an issue. That's a good point, Melissa. I wouldn't want people to get worried. You know, I've got a 2014 truck. Do I have a problem? If you've got a 2011 truck or newer, none of this applies to you. You can keep operating that truck. No issue there. Okay, great. I, I do want to mention uh, there is a, a little known uh, part of the rule, the, uh, the NOx exempt area. Um, situation, if your truck has a diesel particulate filter on it, uh, it actually will be good even if it's older than 2010. And so 
This only applies to dairies about in the northern third of the state. A lot of your members, Melissa, along the coast, um, Humboldt County, uh, you know, Del Norte County, even up in um, Glen County, and I'm not sure if Glen County's in, but like Butte County and uh, Tehama County, I know are in that. So that gives dairies another option if you've got like, let's say a 2009 truck, it's got a diesel particulate filter on it, you can continue to use it. Um, there's, there's some little details that it's kind of important to know if you are impacted by this rule and own trucks. Perfect. So that was an update that I gave. Uh, that's something that our members, some of our members that own trucks need to do something about in January, and I'm here to help. Uh, but I also ran through a couple of other um, things that the Air Resources Board is doing on trucks. They clearly, um, internal combustion engines and especially diesel trucks are a big target of the Air Resources Board right now. And so there are a number of rules um, recently adopted or um, going to be adopted in the near future that uh, are also going to impact trucks. And I'll just run through those real quick. One of those is called the Advanced, Advanced Clean Truck Rule. And that's a rule on manufacturers of trucks to sell a certain number of zero emission vehicles starting in 2024. So it doesn't apply to people that own trucks. It just applies to you know, Freightliner, for example, they need to sell like 5% of their trucks need to be zero emission by 2024. And then that number climbs over time. Uh, another rule that's uh, scheduled for uh, hearing on December 9th is the heavy duty truck inspection and maintenance regulation, which is basically a smog check for trucks. Um, starting in 2023, uh, smog checks are gonna be required for DMV registration for uh, large diesel trucks the way they are for cars now. And the last one is proposed for adoption at the end of 2022. I haven't seen a regulation yet. I've seen some PowerPoint presentations on it uh, with some of the points in it. Uh, this is called the Advanced Clean Fleet Rule, not to be confused with the Advanced Clean Truck Rule. And this one would apply to truck owners and fleet owners uh, that they need to have a certain amount of uh, zero emission vehicles in their fleet. The big targets are public fleets and drayage trucks. Um, seem to be having the biggest push. Um, trucks in areas, of, you know, urban areas with a lot of people uh, yeah. breathing the air. Um, but these are some of the things that are on the radar screen from the Air Resources Board regarding trucks. And it seems like they'll probably find something to add to that in the near future. They kind of always have something going on, that's for sure, over at the Air. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't think this is the end. This is, uh, you know, where it's at right now. But uh, this, you know, we'll probably continue to see new uh, regulations from ARB on um, diesel engines and trucks, um, kind of in general. Yeah. So speaking of other things going on, um, one thing that's been really hotly talked about, and there's been a lot of, in some cases, miscommunication about, um, but also rightly so, some consternation is the um, ARB's small off-road engine rule. And um, we've heard a lot about that, especially recently at the end of the legislative session. So let's talk a little bit about what that means for our members, Paul. Yeah, sure. So uh, when AB 1346 was signed by the governor compelling the Air Resources Board to adopt regulations on these small off-road engines, and we're talking like water pumps, uh, portable generators, um, chainsaws, lawnmowers, um, leaf blowers. Um, I, I, you contacted me that some of your members had concerns about that legislation, and I dug into that issue. Uh, interestingly, while that was just signed by the governor uh, a while ago, not too long ago, um, the Air Resources Board had released draft regulations last year 
and plan to adopt final regulations on December 9th of this year, uh, banning the sale of new small engines. So that legislation really wasn't, you know, it, it was kind of uh, coming at the tail of the dog. Uh, it wasn't the driver of the issue. So it sort of gave a legislative blessing to something that was already in the works. Exactly, exactly. That, that wasn't, that didn't start it off exactly like you yeah. said, it was kind of uh, blessing something that the ARB was already way down the road on. Uh, this regulation would only apply to new engines. It does not apply to existing engines. And it would set a zero emission standard, uh, which effectively bans gasoline engines uh, on new engines that are smaller than 26 horsepower starting in 2024. Um, for um, portable engine generators, that ban starts in 2028 because there are no alternatives at this point that you can buy that would uh, take the place of a uh, generator. Now these generators we're talking about are relatively small. They're mm -hmm. portable. They're the kind of stuff you take camping or yeah. you know, maybe you run your refrigerator in a, in a pinch. Um, but stationary generators that people are you know, mounting to the ground at their house to provide backup power or on our dairies to milk the dairies, those are exempt from this and so are diesel engines. Okay. So I, I dug into this a little bit more uh, and found that there were some federal regulations that exempt engines and vehicles used in construction and farms from this regulation. I've talked to ARB and they concur that that exemption is in place and that they don't have authority to regulate those engines. There is a list of exempt engines uh, and it would include things like uh, compressors, post hole diggers, um, larger water pumps, um, welders. The kinds of things we use on a farm are generally exempt from that. Um, I am writing uh, drafted public comments to ARB on this uh, regarding this rule. My concern is that while an exemption exists, it may become difficult for a farm to access these engines yeah. because if Home Depot no longer carries them because the state of California made them illegal and you're a farmer and you need a pump engine, but you can't find one. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to comment to ARB that there needs to be a real mechanism to implement this exemption. Um, vendors of these engines need to be able to get them and farmers need to be able to buy them in a streamlined kind of way. You can't submit an application to ARB and six months later they come back and say, yep, we've reviewed your application. You are a farm. You can buy your uh, Honda you know, water pump. Uh, it needs to be, if my water pump blows up, I need to be able to get one. I need to be able to prove to somebody, hey, I'm a farm and I'm, you know, I can buy one of these engines uh, based on the exemption. So that's um, my concern with that regulation and our engagement on that. Awesome. Well, yeah, we definitely had a lot of concern from our members up here, Paul, and I think all around the state, we live in rural areas. And so it's not always feasible in in urban settings to have electrical um, powered engines. And so it's especially important to remember that on our farms, what water pumps, of course, vital for um, animal survival at some points, but all the other tools that we use when we're out working on the farm and, and need a small engine to help us. I do want to point out, so motorcycles and ATVs are exempt from this. Okay. If it's like something from Kawasaki, you know, or Honda, um, those are exempt. Although there are some, uh, one thing that was in was um, gas powered golf carts. So it, it's kind of a weird, there are some things that may be in this, but no, any kind of motorcycle or all-terrain vehicle that is designated that way is also exempt. Yeah. Good deal. Well, the next thing, Paul, is everyone's favorite topic, methane. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a lot going on right now. If, if yeah. you've watched the news from uh, COP21, um, you saw that uh, 
Biden made a promise to reduce methane emissions um, by the United States by 30% by 2030. Um, agriculture in specific in that was through incentives. Uh, so we may see more incentives to that. But here in California, we're ahead of the curve, uh, if you want to say that. Um, we had SB 1383 that was adopted in 2016 that sets a goal of reducing manure methane emissions by 40% by 2030. And so California dairy and livestock operations have already made tremendous progress towards that goal using incentives through CDFA's programs, the Dairy Digester Research and Development Program and the Alternative Manure Management Program. So it, it just, I, I wanted to highlight to the board uh, that this methane issue is not going away. It's not something we're gonna be able to drag our feet on or um, you know, just run and hide from. Um, this is a, a significant issue and it's something that we're gonna have to face uh, in this industry. Um, a lot of effort right now to go after methane, but you know we do have a good story to tell that we have really uh, done our part and had tremendous emission reductions over the last three to four years with uh, those incentive programs. Definitely. Well, <clears throat> Paul, the um, Region 5 um, Water Resources Control Board is also up to some things these days. This is a little bit of less of a, you know, major issue, but it's still, um, still a big yeah. deal for some of our dairies. Yeah, so uh, when the revised dairy permit in the Central Valley was adopted in 2013, it was petitioned to the State Water Board by some environmental groups who said it didn't go far enough. Um, the state board sat on that until now, until recently, uh, and they've just recently started to address that. Um, that is causing the Central Valley Water Board, who it's their order, their permit that's being reviewed, um, to hold off on uh, lagoons potentially in groundwater. Um, they were making an effort to send out letters to dairies in areas of shallow groundwater saying you need to see if your lagoon intersects groundwater, and if so, you need to do something about that. Um, they're potentially putting that process on hold make sure it doesn't conflict with whatever comes out of the state board. So I'm still supposed to be having conversations with them on exactly what that looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, but for those dairies that either received letters already, if you're in Merced County, you might have received this letter. Uh, or if you were in other counties, the water board was getting ready to send out those letters. Uh, those letters won't be going out. And the ones in Merced County, it appears that the regional water board is uh, wanting to um, put a hold on that process and not have anything happen. But I'll have to see what those details when I meet with the water board uh, week after next to see exactly what they want to do with those. Okay. Sticking with the uh, State Water Resources Control yeah. Board, uh, their fees are coming out in December like they always do. Dairy producers have gotten used to that. However, uh, at their September board meeting, the State Water Board increased fees for dairies by 15.4%. So I was just talking to a dairy producer before we recorded this and uh, you know, like what the heck, 15% increase in one year. And that has just been a challenge. Uh, Western United Dairies actually sued the State Water Resources Control Board over their, um, you know, fee setting the way they do that. And we lost that lawsuit. And so uh, there just isn't a whole lot of leverage. And it's kind of crazy. You know, if they need money, they just raise their dues and for their fees and um, we're just stuck with it. Yeah, I actually am curious, Paul, and I've noticed not just with the state board, but with a lot of other regulatory entities this last year, these things haven't been noticed well to the public. So um, typically every year we hear about that September board meeting and we kind of get fired up and we prepare and we attend with dairy producers to talk about, um, and it's never really a fruitful conversation, but to talk about why the fee increases are hurtful 
um, we didn't even get that this year. We didn't hear um, anything about that meeting. So it is frustrating. Um, those bills tend to come out the day before Christmas. They usually hit mailboxes, which is equally frustrating, especially when we have property taxes and all kinds of other stuff coming up at the first of the year. So we'll keep our, our thumb on the pulse of that for next year. It doesn't sound like there's anything we can do, but really encourage producers to get those CDQAP classroom hours and get certified so you can get those discounts because they are more and more valuable each year. Absolutely, that is that was the discussion I was having with the dairy producer right before we recorded. He is certified, and you know the value of that is you know apparent. It's clear, uh, especially given these just crazy ongoing uh, fee increases. Yeah. Um, the next item I updated the board on. Uh, I think we've done a podcast on it before, and that is that a letter from the Central Valley Regional Water Quality Control Board is going out to dairies in the Central Valley, um, requiring that all parcels that are owned by the dairy owner be included in either the dairy permit or the irrigated lands program. Uh, they're trying to sort out all of their uh, parcels and make sure that they're all covered. Uh, it is the owner's choice of which one he wants to put it in, but uh, it, you know they wanna see the parcel covered in one program or another. Uh, also for those parcels that the owner does choose to put under the dairy permit, uh, those need to be included in the nutrient management plan and the annual report going forward showing uh, nutrient applications, even if it's just fertilizer and not manure, um, those need to be included in those documents. And so that letter um, should be hitting producers mailboxes here in the next couple of days or, you know, or even today. I know the water board was um, going to send it out very, very soon right about this time. Okay. And then maybe we'll talk about some good news, Paul, uh, aside from all this regulatory stuff, funding. There's a lot of funding out there or there's about to be a lot of funding out there. Yeah. So that's some good news for producers. Um, we'll, maybe we'll start off with uh, the CDFA's AMP and DDRDP programs. Sure. Uh, as I mentioned, you know we've achieved incredible manure methane emission reductions with this funding so far. And uh, at the end of the last uh, legislative session, um, there was $80 million for the next couple of years for this program, for these two programs that you mentioned. $32 million of that is going uh, in this fiscal year. Uh, it looks like that's likely to roll out in the spring. Um, they have a technical service provider program uh, where people can apply to help uh, livestock and dairy owners uh, with their applications, and I'm applying for that now. Uh, CDFA is getting that all ready for a spring rollout of the application. So. I would encourage dairy producers that are interested in that to um, start getting your application or at least your project together. You and I were just talking. Um, yeah. You need to have a clear picture of what you want. Uh, you know, where on your dairy, how, how big, um, what model, you know, if it's a yeah. separator, like what company are you going with? What model, what size, um, all that stuff. Now is the time to start figuring all that stuff out and getting bids. Um, so it's not too early to start. I definitely would encourage dairy producers that are interested in applying to get started with those types of things now that when applications come out, um, you've got some stuff in your hand and you're ready to hit the ground running. Absolutely. And, and that includes meeting with a contractor, bids, all of that stuff, because that's not a fast process usually, but CDFA does have a short window yeah. once those grants are awarded. So I, I just have been, I've been talking with a lot of producers, be ready to hit the ground and be shovel ready when when the applications open, because it's really hard to get all that together in the short window to apply. And then once you're um, awarded the grant, there's a pretty short window to get stuff done. So 
exactly. be on top of those those grants. Um, and we know, you know, we know we have the money. Um, the, the program will come out um, exactly when I don't know, but we, you know, we've got the money, so um, it's you know not wasted time and effort to start getting ready for that. Definitely not. The next one related to that. Um, kind of a new interest to the dairy industry is CDFA SWEET program. It's um, a water efficiency and enhancement program to try to save water and to save energy uh, moving water. Um, they made a $2 million carve out of that program for manure subsurface drip irrigation uh, projects for this year. Uh, so I've seen a lot of interest in dairy uh, from dairies on this because there's $2 million set aside basically for dairies because it does include uh, manure. Normally that went to, you know, like tree and vine guys were converting from flood irrigation to drip irrigation and dairies haven't been a big part of that program. Uh, but now with this $2 million set aside for dairy, uh, there's a lot of new interest. Um, we've partnership with Medifim, which is the company that developed this practice along with sustainable conservation and others um, to come up with uh, some grant writing help uh, for dairy producers that are interested in this. And so through this partnership, uh, dairy producers can get help writing their grant for sweep yep. and Netafim will help uh, reimburse some of that cost. I think you need to pay attention to what those costs are because it isn't free, but um, there is some help in you know, getting a grant writer for that. If you're interested in that, uh, you can contact me, uh, but those are well underway already. That is open. That that one there is open. The AMP program isn't yet, but that one is open for applications, and it is first come first serve. Um, yeah. It you know they're going to be running out of funding here very soon. Yeah. And, and then one one final issue. Um, boy, this is always a doozy. Um, you met with CDFA yesterday on a call about rendering. Um, the topic we don't always love to cover, but here we yeah. are. It's, it's an important one for dairy producers. I agree. Uh, it's a difficult topic to talk about, uh, especially with the public, um, because, you know, uh, cows don't all just float off to heaven. Yeah. Um, you know, so <laughs> it, it is, it's an important issue that we have to address. Uh, I did have that call with CDFA yesterday, and um, I, you know, happy to say I saw progress. This is something I've been working on the entire time I've been here at Western, and it, it just I was talking to Anya about this. This is a, a topic that just seems to drag. You just can't seem to ever get anywhere with solutions. But right. I see light at the end of the tunnel. I told CDFA, I was uh, very happy with their progress. Uh, they're working on alternatives to rendering when rendering is not available. Um, it looks like they're going to take a district approach. Um, CDFA has four districts in the state and they're going to have different approaches depending on where you are. And one we clearly discussed was the North Coast. because. Right. You know, it's very different in the North Coast than it is in the South San Joaquin Valley, where there are rendering plants around in the South San Joaquin Valley, and there's not on the North Coast. And so CDFA was going to be looking at, you know, what's going on in your region and what solutions work in your region, uh, and working with the agencies there to come up with those solutions. So this is just something that has just been incredibly slow progress over a long period of time, but I really think we're getting somewhere now. Uh, CDFA is making a significant effort. Uh, they have dedicated some staff to this. They are meeting with agencies to trying to find out, you know, what issues those agencies have and trying to work through those issues to try to have, have alternatives to rendering when uh, rendering is not available. Great. I know up here that will be a huge, huge um, deal. Even down in Sonoma County, they have some options, but 
here in Humboldt, it's, uh, it's not very fun when you have to deal with a dead cow and they do get buried, but you have to find the appropriate place and hauling them places is, is really tricky. So we really appreciate the effort you're putting in on that, Paul. And I, I'm excited to hear that a solution is coming because I've been doing this for almost 11 years and it's been a long 11 years whenever we have to decide what to do in the situations where we can't handle a dead cow how we would like to. So I'm hoping to have future updates for you. Uh, this is one, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to report on that rendering issue other than, you know, folks are working hard on it. Um, and, and a couple of others of these, um, you know, the truck one, hopefully you'll invite me back in January as a reminder uh, again on the truck odometer uh, reporting. Um, and some of these others are going to continue to be issues that as, you know, more information comes out, I will be updating our members. And I think, um, you know, this podcast is a great opportunity to do that, to reach out and connect with our members. So thank you yeah, for having yeah. me on, Melissa. Absolutely. We always appreciate you coming on, Paul. And this is a lot of updates today. We'll, um, we try to take smaller bites at the Apple, but where we had a big board meeting this week, we thought it was important to get all these things out to our members. And we will have you back in January to talk about the trucks. Um, and we may have you back one more time before the holidays if there's any other updates. So thanks again, Paul, for, for joining us today. Yeah, sure. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with waterboard regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. For comments, content requests, or questions about the podcast, please feel free to email Melissa Lima, M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com, that's me, or my colleague Darby Toth, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. We really want to give a big shout out to Paul Souza for joining us today. Thanks, Paul, for bringing us all the updates from this week's board meeting on all things environmental going on for California dairymen. And we want to give you a few quick reminders before we end the podcast. First, Western United Dairy's office will be dark next Thursday, November 24th and Friday, November 25th in celebration of the Thanksgiving holiday. If you have an emergency, please feel free to reach out to your field staff. Otherwise, we will see you all on Monday. Of, also of note, for dairy producers in the North Coast and San Francisco Bay regions, your water quality reports are due November 30th. While I've been meeting with dairy producers very frequently over the last three weeks, there are still a few stragglers out there. So make sure you give me a call before November 30th so we can work on that paperwork. It doesn't take long. It's a quick process, but we do have to get it taken care of. So if you're still out there, please don't wait till the last minute. 
We hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving next week. We'll be bringing you a special episode, which will have a market update and a special message from our staff. Take care, everyone. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. I-E-S dot com.